Now on Food FM, you're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. Caroline and her guests make sense of the world through food, from politics to farming, making and cooking. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Hello and welcome to our latest edition of Bread and Butter. And I have two wonderful guests today. I'm really looking forward to talking to them so very much. Really honoured to welcome Asma Khan, first UK chef ever to feature on Netflix, the well-known chef patron of Darjeeling Express, hugely popular restaurant in London, and as of very recently, UK chef advocate for the World Food Programme. Welcome, Asma. Thank you very much. And also delighted to have with us Rasha Abu Dargam, who is based in the Lebanon, where she is communications manager for the World Food Programme. And Asma and Rasha, I know you've been together on a really incredible recent trip. So we're going to hear about that. Asma, tell us a little bit about how you first became involved with the World Food Programme. I've always been fascinated by the work that they do because it's the neutrality and it's almost universal that they take no sides, they feed the hungry. So it's an organization which I have admired for many years. We just kind of connected over a a gathering, an open iftar uh, for the, this is a Ramadan tent, which is a London project, you know, interfaith, where people break fast together. I met some of the uh, people from the World Food Program who were sponsoring that particular night. I was very impressed. They told me about this app that they had uh, which is shared, you know, share the meal. And I just thought that was so cool because as someone who does fast, the most painful thing, and everyone who fasts can relate to that, is that first cup of tea or first cup of coffee, uh, beginning of Ramadan especially, you get a headache, you yearn for that cup of coffee. And they were talking about how they were trying to get people to just, go, what is the cost of their meal, cost of their coffee, by adding it to the app. And I was just impressed. And then I was very touched because a few days later, they asked me, they had another occasion and they wanted me to come and speak about my views on on Ramadan, on hunger, on the responsibility of how, as someone privileged and who doesn't have to face hunger, what you can do, you know, advocating for for the weak, the poor, and who at at this moment do not have the platform that you have. So I thought this was great. And this has been many years and I've done this for them for many years. But at that time, I always talked to them about wanting to go to Lebanon because they were telling me about the program that they had been doing in Lebanon. The Syrian war had just started and how they were scaling up. And it just impressed me that they, that they were taking on this huge project, uh, literally from nothing overnight, you know, from, because Lebanon is not a poor country, didn't need the World Food Program. It's not, something that they were there for, you know, already entrenched or in that area. They literally came in from nowhere and was setting up this incredible, you know, program to help the Syrian refugees. And so this is how it slowly built up to, to the point where then they asked me whether I'd like to be the chef advocate and very excitingly, whether I'd like to go to Lebanon uh, as uh, for a, a journey to see the programs, uh, to meet people uh, like Russia, uh, who are, you know, actually implementing, facing uh, the daily challenges of implementing this program. And it, it's such an honor because I know that this is not something that can happen to any and everybody. I felt truly privileged to go. And I went along with Nina, who is uh, 
based, she does, she's a communications officer uh, in London, who's the person I used to meet all these years. Um, and we went to Lebanon and just returned. And I feel emotional seeing Russia because all those memories are flooding back of all we saw, all we did, and everything that I learned from listening to Russia. That's such a wonderful journey in terms of, you know, how you came to be involved, Asma. And I completely identify with your admiration of the World Food Programme as an incredible organisation. I'm actually, uh, through another project that I'm involved with, we have a connection with the World Food Programme. And Rasha, when when you uh, received the Nobel Peace Prize, my team and I, we were just ecstatic. We just had smiles from ear to ear for weeks. You know, we were jumping for joy for you and all your colleagues around the world and, and just felt so honoured by association. So, yes, it's it's so inspiring and, and admirable. So, Rasha, tell us a little bit about you and, and your journey to becoming the communications manager in Lebanon. How did that come about? Well, hello, Caroline. Hello, Asma. It's really good to hear you again um, and, and to be uh, to be present with you now. Um, you're right. As soon as I heard your, I mean, brief explanation of how you started out with WFP, it really made me emotional. And I remembered um, the wonderful uh, trip we had together. Um, and it was such an honor for, for me and, and the team, really, and WFP in Lebanon to show you our operations. Sometimes um, we spend a bit time in the office and then feel like when we go and we, we visit our operations and visit the projects and the families that we serve, it really brings us, roots us, brings us back to, to why we do what we do at WFP. And it was an honor to have this journey with you uh, in specific because you've touched so many people that you've met and we've heard that echoing ever since you left. A little bit about myself. Uh, I've been working as a communications person for humanitarian organizations ever since I can remember. It's my It was my first and only job up until now in life. Uh, I started out uh, with the UN um, for a number of years with UNICEF uh, covering the region, the turbulent region that we have, Middle East and North Africa. And then I moved to the International Committee of the Red Cross, the ICRC, in Lebanon in specific for two years because it was it was the onset of the economic crisis. I was living abroad and I felt this is the time when my country needs me most. And it was uh, it was the right thing for me to do to come back here and and uh, and be on the ground and help the, help my people. And this is how I started working back. I, how I came back to Lebanon to start working here. And then I joined uh, the World Food Program. So I've already been here for a couple of years. It's been quite a ride. It's been really heart-wrenching to see how how deteriorating the situation is uh, and how quickly and fast um, people have slipped into poverty in this country. And as Asma mentioned, this is a country that was a middle-income country. It was a country with a working class and uh, where people had no issue most of the people had no had no worry about where their next meal is coming from. And then suddenly now we see almost half of the country food insecure. Um, and it's, it's relatively a small country, yet the impact that this economic crisis has had is major mm-hmm. and has really, really gotten out of, spiraled out of control over the past uh, few years. Yes, I mean, I've always understood that Lebanon, although you know, a small country with a with a mighty heart because you have taken in so many refugees from, you know, the war in Iraq and in Syria. I mean, I'm, I'm not quite sure how big the refugee population is there. 
So um, as of now, actually, there is about 1.5 million refugees and um, the whole population in Lebanon is about 6 million. So that tells you a bit about the ratio. And really, um, Lebanon is the largest uh, host for refugees per capita and in the world. And so when world, when the World Food Program started out in Lebanon, as Shaf uh, Asmohan uh, was mentioning, actually, it was an operation to really counter the, the effects of, of the Syrian refugee crisis and, and the dire dire situation that they were in when they first arrived to Lebanon. Unfortunately, now the World Food Programme has scaled up to include Lebanese families in need as well, uh, following the economic crisis and the Beirut blast. Yes, absolutely. I was thinking about the blast because that has affected tens of thousands of people, hasn't it? Absolutely. Tell us about the trip. So something of the realisation of a dream for you, Asma. So you travelled with Nina from London you suddenly found yourself immersed in this vast operation. Tell us how, what kind of impression it made on you when you first arrived. Well, the first thing that I was impressed with was the detailed planning, what I was going to do, who I was going to meet, a lot of background information, you know, who the family was, what the system was, what that area is, uh, you know, a bit about the geography, the history, the impact, the Various layers, you know, the refugee impact, then, of course, the Beirut blast, and now the global, the economic crisis, you know, the political instability. So I went there very, very well briefed, which I'm grateful for, because when you enter a place, you entered with that knowledge that you knew exactly who that family was, you could speak to them, you could address their issues directly, you were knowledgeable, and you weren't just someone who was parachuted in. Uh, without an understanding and respect for what has happened with them. And this was great because a lot of work had gone into prior to my trip from the World Food Program, from Russia and her team, in preparing me for this whole trip. It was very intense, very packed. I literally passed out and slept off the moment I reached uh, back into the hotel room. And uh, And I think that what was so beautiful was that it covered everything that I had wanted to see. So even without me communicating to them, I saw the most important things. I met some amazing women because this is not, I know that, you know, what Russia is saying, what I'm saying about the kind of dire economic situation in Lebanon, but there are stories of optimism, of hope, of renewal, of rebirth. And all it requires is a little bit of investment, a little bit of handholding. But the most important thing is giving back respect to these people who feel their whole world has fallen apart. And this is the one thing that I find I'm very uncomfortable about is the prejudice with just the word refugee, this whole hatred of the outsider. Mm. Put yourself in their position. They've lost everything. And for those who have children to know that you are uprooting your child, taking them to a foreign land where they're far away from all their loved ones, their whole life is falling apart. They don't need our hatred. They don't need our prejudice. They don't need our bias. And our small, petty, you know, this whole idea that, oh, they're outsiders. They've come to take away, you know, my land, my food, my people, my jobs. They just want to live. They want to do what all of us want to do. They want to live in dignity. And this was the one thing that you felt with all the families they introduced me to. The most moving was this lady we met. 
Hannah, who has、uh, three children, she had a relative there, and her young daughter was started crying, who was just turned thirteen. She never shed a tear, although I sat next to her, I felt the enormous pain she had. She sat and spoke, and I touched her. She touched my hand, and she told me, "Don't worry, I'm not going to cry." Russia was crying.、Mm. Who <laughs> should be used to having these kind of situations? Everyone was in tears in that room. She never shed a tear. She kept reassuring me. She told me, "Don't worry. I don't want to upset you." That is the strength of a woman. That's the strength、yes. of so many women. So it was just incredible. We met amazing people. This woman in 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 a farm, in one of the poorest areas in the north of of the country, up in the hills. Her name's Kaldia. Happened to be a second daughter, of course. I discovered that within seconds of sitting next to her, I asked her, you know, who she was, what she had, because she very simply said, "I wasn't married. I looked after my family." And in cultures, you know, like in Lebanon and of course in India as well,、yes. girls have to get married off. The fact that she is now farming her, the land and feeding a clan of people with dignity is these kinds of women that you understand. My God, you know, they are not the ones who need help. They are the ones who can teach me so much about life, about dignity, about also about honor. That you honor your people, you honor the land, you honor the your clan and your legacy and your heritage, and about dignity. So it was all of that, and it was so moving that in a, such a short time, I could meet Lebanese families, I could meet Syrian refugees, I could meet the people who are making a difference, understanding. And very, I'm very grateful because the WFP managed to arrange a meeting with the UK ambassador in Lebanon, who turned out to be incredibly open-hearted, warm, and generous to us. gave us time to, and also it gave WFP and me an opportunity to also thank the ambassador for the work he's done, because a lot of the kind of they have a system which is a multi multi-purpose. Cash, which probably Russia can explain more about, so I won't go into detail with that. But one of the big donors in that in this whole scheme is UK government and UK taxpayers, and we should be proud. This shouldn't be rushed under the carpet. Vulnerable families in Lebanon are being supported by the British government. Of course, it's not enough. We need a lot more, and I think we should acknowledge the help that we have got. And meeting the ambassador allowed me to do that. So it was a really great trip. But I think、mm. this multi-purpose cash is a great thing that is done by what WFP in Lebanon. And maybe if you don't mind, I can ask Rasha to explain that because obviously she is、yes. the person who's dealing with it and the expert. Thank you, Asma. That's such an, a moving account. And you know, you talked about tears. And、um, a few minutes ago, I was wondering if I could hold it together when I was listening because it moved me so greatly. And I. I completely agree with you. I I try and say thank you for my life every single day, and I recognise how privileged I am. And I that saying, you know, walk a mile in their shoes, and that as without getting too political about the UK, but the rhetoric here about refugees is very painful and very ugly. So I absolutely salute everything that you've said. But just to go on to the practicalities, Russia. So, if you could just give us、um, an idea of the scale of the project that WFP is running in Lebanon, and and then if we could just hear about how you're approaching it in this very practical, targeted way, that would be so interesting. Of course. So, 
what's happening in Lebanon now is basically Lebanon living through its worst economic crisis in recent history. Um, the, the Lebanese lira, which is our local currency, has devalued so massively that today one dollar, one U.S. dollar is equal to 100,000 Lebanese pounds. One U.S. dollar used to equal to 1,500 Lebanese pounds. So that can tell you about how massively it has deteriorated. Some people in the country are still paid in local currency. And when, when Asmahan speaks about this cash assistance that we give, it, it really shows you how important it is for us to be having, to have this operation in the country, to allow people to prioritize uh, their needs, to be able to cover their other basic needs besides food as well. And so the operation that uh, WFP runs in Lebanon is basically cash and food assistance. This is our emergency response. What we do is we give out monthly food parcels uh, to families, to Lebanese families. We also give out cash assistance to Lebanese families through uh, the National Poverty Targeting Program and the social and emergency social safety net implemented by the government in the country. But also for Syrian refugees, what we give out is multi-purpose cash assistance, which is one of the pro programs that we have. Besides the emergency response we do, we also have our livelihoods response, which is our support, our sustainable kind of support to businesses in the country, to food businesses and to cooperatives in specific, which was also part of our visit um, with ESMA. So today in Lebanon, and I, my heart hurts when I say this, one in every three people in the country are supported by WFP for food needs. So our operation extends to 2 million people in the country, 1 million Lebanese and 1 million Syrians. And this, this really tells you about the, how big the operation is, how much it's needed. And it's safe to say that we're not doing enough at the moment. And there's, there is still a huge need in the country. So even with one in every three people receiving food assistance, the needs are still huge. Goodness, the scale is beyond imagining, isn't it? But as Asma said, there are points of hope and inspiration. I was really uh, struck, Asma, that you mentioned the women that you'd met. And I just wonder if they're playing a leading role in all of this work. Absolutely. It is the women who are going to get Lebanon out of this dark space that it is into the light. I met women in these cooperatives, some of them quite old, some of them young. They have gone back to traditional methods of preserving foods. It's called Monet. You know, I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly. But the traditional ways that people would save the food for winter, preserving foods, uh, local foods, growing things that they can pickle and they can jar. And this is healing. It's also good for the gut. All of this the West has discovered recently, mm. fermentation. In the East, we've done this for years. In India, in the Middle East, this whole idea of, you know, pickling things, keeping things, preserving things, drying things, so that you have enough food for the, for the... And also growing herbs and vegetables. And we were so surprised when we met a family absolutely deep in Beirut, in the city, in, that they were now living off potatoes that her mother was growing in the village and sending it back to them. There is a realization among women, let's grow our own crops. It's immensely, absolutely spectacularly inspirational to see. I went to a cooperative where these women started really small. She said it very simply, we started like a cave. Now 
where a palace, a castle, it's a massive operation. They're making labne, they're making cheese. They're also now selling to the Emirates and they're selling their products to the Middle East. They have managed to, and we met another cooperative, this time near Tripoli, uh, in another part of Lebanon, and they are now looking to sell to Europe. And so these are, and this, it was called My Mother's Business, led by a woman whose roots go back to the poor agricultural area we had gone to. We met this farmer, Khaldia, who I mentioned, that she's growing farm, you know, growing stuff in her farm. She is now supplying to this factory that is making the stuff. But these two women are from the same soil. And this is when you see women are connecting back to those to their rural roots that they left because they remember what it is and they know what their people. So it's fascinating to see. And, you know, WFP has been a facilitator in getting the crops from Haldia, who's the farmer, to this woman who, whose family, whose son and husband, whole it's family business, are actually bottling it and packaging it. And they're using some very innovative kind of spices. And there's a bit of a modern twist to it because... You know, they're modernizing some of the sources, mm-hmm. but it's incredible. I mean, I was a bit doubtful. I tried that food was incredible. And it's this kind of thing where you see women connecting with each other. In the cooperative, you see there's so much strength. These women radiated power. You know, they're not young. This is all they've done. They have never left that land. They've grown stuff there. And they are now global. They are everywhere. And so they're not only just feeding themselves, They're now using food as a tool to get themselves out of poverty, but also in that process, hiring more people, you know, spreading the goodwill, spreading the wealth that they are creating. This is very, very exciting to watch, to watch it at this level, pretty much starting at the grassroots from nothing. And it just shows why it's so important to support. And I'm not saying this because I'm, you know, I'm an advocate for the WFP. All of us should never think that if you give a little bit to aid organizations, to agencies like the WFP, they use that money as a game changer. It changes the lives of women. It's not short term. They give them equipment to make cheese. They give them big buckets in which to store the milk. This is what they need because they're not waiting for hand-me-downs. This is this whole rhetoric about refugees that, oh, you know, they're like beggars. You keep giving them. It's endless. It's non-ending. It's never going to end. They don't want to be in this position where they're getting stuff. They want to make their lives better. And this is the important thing. And one of the, you know, the children we met, uh, he's a young boy. He said he wants to be an architect. He saw his house being destroyed. He knows his grandparents' house over the hills. We were 10 minutes from Syria where we were doing this interview. He was pointing the mountains and saying, I want to rebuild the houses there. I want to rebuild my family home. He doesn't want a hand-me-out. He wants an education. And this is what WFP is doing. They're giving him an education. This is why he has the courage at nine. Watching everybody in that room cry, he smiled at me and said, I'm going to be an architect. I'm going to build houses. This is when you know that this is the future of Syria. This young generation... Yes, this generation of people our age have lost everything. But their children, if we feed them, we, pre- you know, we prevent them from getting ill, we give them an education, they're going to go back and rebuild their broken land. Maybe I'm an idealist, but I 
I met amazing young kids and I'm sure of that. I love everything that you have said, Asma, and I I agree and I applaud with all my heart. I really do. Rasha, very sadly, both of you, we are coming to the end of our time talking together today. But people who are listening to this, how can they help? What can they do? Do you need people to mentor some of these amazing cooperatives? Um, do you need networks that help maybe with education? I'm thinking particularly of education of girls. What What is it that people can do to help? Thank you for asking, Caroline. And thank you, Asma, for detailing this in such a beautiful and eloquent, eloquent way, as always. Um, we do have a donation links, as you know, as provided by my colleagues at the London office. We do have the Share the Meal app that uh, Asma spoke about as well. Um, one thing I would also, I would like to really highlight from what Asma was talking about as we conclude is the common theme or narrative amongst all these women that we met together was that they didn't want to need anybody. They wanted to stand tall and, and just be self-sufficient and not need somebody, whether it was a, the Syrian refugee uh, mom that we met with three children, or whether it was the farm, the lady who is a farmer in the most, the poorest area in Lebanon, the most impoverished area you can imagine. These women all had one common thing that they were saying. We just don't want to need anybody. We want to reach a point where we can really just live based of what we do, what, how live with dignity. And this is, I think, this is the, one of the most important takeaways, really. What we're doing as WFP, whether it's through cash assistance or through food parcels, is trying to get these people by, to really empower them, because cash is choice. Um, this is specific to, to the cash operation. But also, besides, besides this kind of emergency response, we find great pride and also the 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 businesses that we support the food businesses and the cooperatives that asma was talking about because these really give an opportunity for women to become entrepreneurs and i think they shared their story so so much with asma they were really touched to have her visit even and what wfp pr provides for many of these cooperatives as asma said was the equipment and sometimes even beyond that, digital marketing skills. Because some of these people, like one of the cooperatives we visited, was in an area like near the Syrian border, if I may say, much closer to the senior Syrian border than it is to the city, Beirut, in Lebanon. And so to get to link them to, to markets to sell their things had become such an important um, project for WFP. And so these trainings and these, this equipment that was given, they told us a lot about it. And we, we really took in these stories and took the time to, to really absorb all, all these, uh, this wisdom that they've given us in terms of Mune, preserving food or their personal stories. And it was such an honor to be on this journey as well with Asma. Thank you both. You are wonderful, remarkable and inspiring women. And it's been a very moving conversation and you've given me so much to think about and when you go for your next trip, Asma, may I hide in your suitcase and come too? Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity and for giving us a platform to reach out to your listeners. Uh, and, you know, for them really at this point, as, as Rasha was saying, they need to donate to WFP because they can actually maximize the impact because they know how to direct it at the moment. So for now, we need money. Later, we will need markets and mentors and, and, and so on. Wonderful. Well, I think we'll need to schedule a part two to our conversation and see where we've got to. It will be Thank lovely to talk to you both again. Thank you.
Thank you. You're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.